You're listening to The Drive with Larry Hardesty on 98.7 ESPN. Cincinnati was driving on this last play, and then they had a big holding call on third down after they had a first down, brought them, well, close to first down. It was like third and two, and it brought them back for 10 yards and made it third and 17, and they were unable to get the first down. So now Kansas City is getting the ball back. We're trying to catch up with uh, Christian Winfield of the Daily News. We'll hear from him shortly. But it gives me an opportunity to talk a little bit about the Nick Net game last night and all the discussion about whether this is a rivalry. Was it? No, 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 no. Nets-Knicks are not a rivalry. For there to be a rivalry, you have to have a situation where a team wins sometimes. And the Knicks don't beat the Nets. The Knicks don't beat the Nets when Kevin Durant plays or when Kevin Durant doesn't play. <laughs> they don't beat them. They just don't. And last night was another example. And I think the frustrating thing as a Nick fan last night, okay, was not that you lost, but it was not the same type of effort you had been seeing from this Nick team over the previous wins against Cleveland and Boston. Now, maybe those wins took something out of them. We've had the conversation, okay, about minutes played and how that affects but the whole team was flat they came out flat flat the first three quarters they really did and and they were flat on the defensive side of the ball they didn't close out they did they, all the issues that 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 usually plague this team when they don't play well it usually starts on the defensive end and when you have three point shooters like Seth Curry, like Kyrie Irving, uh, you you cannot be in a situation where you just, you know, allow them to just have open threes. You have to. Kyrie Irving is tough enough to defend without him being open for three, and also without him, which you have to, you know, you have to contain him because he could. Look, he's a great player. Okay. He could get to the paint. He can go anywhere he wants to on the floor. He can hit any shot he wants to. He can hit the three. He can hit the mid-range. He can beat you off the drop, dribble, take you for a layup. You know, he's, he's an extremely talented player. Extremely. So that means that you have to have tremendous communication because you have to be able to yell out when he commands that double that you're trying to get the ball out of his hands or force him to give it up. Okay, you've got to be in a situation where people know where the other person is. So you can defend the other the other defender that you can defend the offensive guy that's open. All right, and the Knicks did not do that last night. Okay? So that's one of the reasons why they lost. And give them credit. Okay? They did put up a run in the fourth quarter. They got the wake up call. They put up a run in the fourth quarter. But then Kyrie Irving just shut it down. Said, "No, nah, we're not doing that. Forget about it. It's not happening." He and he and uh, Seth Curry just took care of business. So the Knicks end up losing one twenty two one fifteen. And again, which is so interesting because both teams scored thirty four points in the fourth quarter. But but you look at this: the Knicks gave up thirty four points in the second and fourth quarters. They were only down six in the first quarter, despite. How, how they just weren't in it. And you just kept waiting for them. Okay, they'll get it. They'll turn it on. They turned it, turn it on late. But it wasn't enough. This Brooklyn Nets team has been, listen, 
when you lose a player of the greatness of Kevin Durant, there's going to be some adjustments that you have to make. But for the most part, the Nets have played well. They gave it all they had against Philly. Uh, they, they've they've performed well without him. They've lost some games, but it's not it's not they haven't been just like wiped out. They've been in these games, and to his credit, Kyrie Irving has been that guy. I mean, last night he played 41 minutes, 12 of 27, 32 points, nine assists, six rebounds, only three turnovers for as much as he had the ball. I mean, that's great. And so the Nets are set up. Now, I am curious to see what they might do with the trade deadline to try to add some depth or to try to add some folks in the painted area. But, you know, we, we always talk about this Nets team, and we always talk about them as, boy, they need defensive help. But their defense is not bad. Their defense has improved. I mean, Jacques Vaughn has done a really, really good job. You know, we talk about him holding people accountable. We talk about all these other things. This is, this is you know, he's done a great job. And so for this Nets team to be in these games. <laughs> the echo just caught uh, Patrick Mahomes. Kansas City was driving a bad snap, and uh, he just couldn't get the ball. And now Cincinnati has recovered. Um, for, for for this team to put forth the effort they've had is great. For the Knicks, it's, it's when the Nets have the Lakers tomorrow night, and then the Lakers will be in the Garden on Tuesday night. It's It's... It is the frustration that you feel, right? Uh, frustration that you feel as a Nick fan. Be- because of the fact that you watch them and you just look and you say, you know what, this is a team, they should be better. And when you give forth the effort as you have, as the replay ball just slips out of Patrick Mahomes' hands and you want to make the pivot, but with that ankle, you just can't do it. Um when you want to, you, you just when you're thinking like, okay, we're ready to go on a run, they give you not, once again, not that they lost, but the effort they gave you early to put themselves behind where you have to do everything you can on the road, even though it was a bunch of Nick fans in the building to give the Nick fans credit, they represent it. You have to do almost everything to get back in that game. When we return, we'll hear from Christian Winfield of the Daily News. We'll get his thoughts on the Nets, how they're doing without Kevin Durant, and what may happen at the trade deadline. That's next on 98.7 ESPN. You're listening to The Drive with Larry Hardesty on 98.7 ESPN. Tremendous job covering the Brooklyn Nets and the NBA for the Daily News. He is Christian Winfield. Christian, Happy New Year, my friend. How are you? Happy New Year to you. We haven't spoken in 2023 yet, have we? We have not. So, so well, for that, very I know nice it's way, to hear from you. I know it's way past the deadline, Christian, but we're close. So we, 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 we can break the rules for that. <laughs> Just a little bit, man. Nice to hear from you. How you been? I've been great, my friend. I've been great. Thank you. So, Christian, let's talk about this Brooklyn Nets team that has done, I think, sure. a pretty good job considering they haven't had Kevin Durant. Yeah, I mean that was the main uh, prevailing thought entering this period when KD has, you know, he has the exact same injury as last season, just on the opposite leg. Um, and then you start to see the losses pile up when he when he goes out, and you're immediately thinking, oh, no, it's happening again, right? Because last year you had that situation where Kevin goes out for a month and a half, 
you know, and then the Nets just free fall. They lose 11 in a row, five, uh, 11 out of, or they only win five out of 16 games. Um, and, and this time around, you're looking at it like, oh, is it going to happen again? Is it going to happen again? But credit to, number one, credit to Kyrie Irving. Um, he has put this team on his back really since the fourth quarter of that Phoenix game. Uh, that was the first game uh, in a series of games where he started going pretty much nuclear in the fourth quarter. I think he had 20, that, 20 points in that fourth quarter. Um, he's had 20 points in four separate fourth quarters now this year, which is kind of ridiculous when you think about just how efficient and effective you have to be to have that. Some people don't even score 20 points in an entire game, and Kyrie is just walking and doing that in the fourth quarter alone, right? So there's that. But also you look at this roster, I mean, you've got guys who've stepped up across the board. I mean, mm-hmm. you've got Royce O'Neal. Nick Claxton should have been the first name out of my mouth, actually. He has been tremendous with his ability to score in different ways as blocking, weak side blocking, um, rebounding numbers have gone up. There's just been a question as to whether or not this Nets team would need another center. And maybe you need a backup center, but you surely don't need another starting center at this point because Nick Claxton has been that good. Um, and then you just look at the depth on this roster in terms of the wings, and we'll probably get to where this team needs to upgrade, but you've got Joe Harris, Royce O'Neal, Yuta Watanabe, uh, TJ Warren, Seth Curry's coming off the bench for giving great minutes. Um, the question really is Ben Simmons. I'm sure we'll get to him as well. Um, the, the team is well-rounded. Sure, there's areas for improvement. Uh, but without Kevin, uh, I'm not sure what more you could have asked for. And it's all really been led by Kyrie Irving and, and Jacques Vaughn. You can't leave Jacques Vaughn out of this conversation either. Cincinnati uh, has scored a touchdown, six plays, 45 yards, taking uh, two minutes and 25 seconds. This is after the Mahomes turnover. And they are an extra point away from tying this game, which they do. So, Christian, let's stay with Kyrie, Kyrie for a second. What's changed in him? Sure. Has has this been that whole offseason situation? It just seems as though he's been able to put that behind him, and he's just t- taking it out on, on, on folks in the NBA. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I think part of it is, you know, I think anyone, if you tell anyone, hey, we're not sure we want to keep you beyond the season, uh, I think you're going to see them play some of the best basketball of their career, right? And that's pretty much what happened. Kyrie didn't get the long-term extension that he thought he was going to get. Um, and, and now you basically got a guy on a contract year, uh, super motivated, and this is kind of what you get. But on top of that, you know, it, it's just – I think he's a guy who kind of embraces a little bit of added responsibility from time to time, and, and Kevin being out puts a lot of the onus on him to, to carry this team. I really wish LeBron would have been uh, available for this Lakers game coming up because I know Kyrie would have been ready. But, hey, now it's just Kyrie versus Russell Westbrook. Who knows which direction that goes. Um, But I I think what we're seeing now is with Kyrie, so much of the conversation has been off the court, right? What is he doing in terms of putting stuff on social media or or whether or not he gets vaccinated or or whatever have you, whatever whatever story you want to pinpoint as to why. You know, we can even go back to the insurrection at the nation's capital. We took two weeks off of work, right? Like, we can pinpoint all these things. When he is on the floor and available, there are not very many players in the NBA who are better than him. I saw um, among some of my media peers, they voted uh, Tyrese Halliburton in uh, as an all-star starter over Kyrie. I think Kyrie was fourth or fifth in media voting and Halliburton was third or some, something like that. And, and that's just no disrespect to Tyrese Halliburton because he's an incredibly talented player. But, I mean, what world do we have to be living in where you're watching what Kyrie Irving is doing on the floor and you and you decide to pick somebody else? It's kind of it's kind of mind-blowing me. But it's just – his ability to win these games for the Nets in the fourth quarter um, and, and really hold other his teammates accountable with Kevin out. That's been so much. Uh, uh, it kind of shows you where this team has gone because once you consider last year, granted Kyrie was only part-time, uh, James Harden didn't want to be there, and of course Steve Nash was head coach, so you had three different things going on that were, that were dragging the Nets down. 
well, this time you've got stability at head coach. Uh, you got stability with Kyrie Irving. And you've got him motivated, and you can see this team. Uh, he's not letting them kind of let their let themselves down after a few losses. Uh, he, he's he's trying to hold this group accountable, and um, you, you really love to see it. Christian Winfield covers the Nets for the Daily News is my guest. Christian, all right, let's talk about Ben Simmons because I, he's been. There's games when you watch him, you say, you know what? Okay, I see what he's able to do. He's he's using his length defensively. He sees the floor well. You know, sometimes they put him at the center position or they put him at the four, the five. You're looking at him. And then there's games where, you know, he's not available. And I get that because, you know, backs are, you know, that that's the way it is. And then you just, then he, then he kind of disappears sometimes. How how can you rate what he's been able to bring to the table so far? Oh man. Uh, We have to break that down a little bit, right? Defensively, uh, Ben has been great. Um, He takes the challenge of guarding the other team's best player. Uh, I I remember when the Nets played the Bucks, and, um, you know, he did a pretty solid job guarding Giannis. I didn't think he'd be able to do it, and he did. I would have loved to see, if he was healthy, what he would have done with Julius Randle, um, but the Nets were able to bottle up Randle anyway. Uh, so defensively, he's been pretty much what you expected from him. Um, playmaking, he's been what you've expected. He's a guy who grab a rebound, push it the full length of the floor, and then find a shooter in transition. Um, the issue with Ben is that he defers the playmaking too much, especially on a team where – and it's easy to say, oh, well, you've got Kevin, you've got Kyrie, you've got all these shooters, you don't need Ben Simmons to score – um, but that's not a, a that's not a responsible uh, way of thinking. Ben has to be aggressive and get into the rim. Everyone knows it. Ben knows it. Um, and when he doesn't, it, it becomes predictable because guy, if you know Ben Simmons is going to shoot, you're going to just send that guy who you would have defending him to cheat over and help on somebody else, right? And that basically just takes away now. Not only is Ben not scoring, but now somebody else has an added defender on them. Uh, it's difficult. And, and the issue there is that. You know, the other game, um, he had no points in the first half, and then in the third quarter he comes out and scores 10 points. And we're all sitting there like, okay, well, why can't he? If he can give us, if he can give the Nets 10 points every quarter like he did in that, obviously 10 points every quarter isn't realistic. Ben isn't going to average 40 points probably ever. But if you can give the Nets five points a quarter just off drive to the rim, that opens up the offense for so many more of his teammates. The issue is he doesn't do it, and it's not a back thing, right, because it's not like at halftime of that game he went and got a new back, right? He just went out and made the decision to be more aggressive. So that's what the Nets are trying to get through to him. Hey, if, you be, if you're being aggressive, it opens up the offense for everybody else. And on top of that, you, you've got a team that's so uh, offensively overloaded right now, especially when Kevin comes back, that if you're able to add another score like like. I was talking to somebody the other day, uh, and they said, hey, if if, the, if Ben Simmons can get to averaging 15 points, seven rebounds, and seven assists, the Nets will be mm. champions, right? Mm. And if he can't get to that point, it won't. they won't be champions, right? And I think that's jarring, right? Because if you're talking about a team where you've got Kevin, you've got Kyrie, you've got Nick Claxton playing like this, you've got so many off, um, offensive options, and it boils down to whether or not Ben is able to contribute at that level. It shows you, A, just how important he is, but B, also – there has to be some level of accountability there, which there is for Ben to score. You're seeing Jacques Vaughn pull him in the fourth quarter uh, if he's not in a scoring groove. Um, ben has to be aggressive. That's what it boils down to. He has to get to the rim. He has to, and we're seeing him like we're seeing him get to the rim and then leave shots short. He's, he goes to the turnaround hook shot and he'll airball it from time to time. It's it's really unfortunate to see because once that happens, you've got fans in the arena who are laughing, right? It's like you've got the anticipation for a shot from him, and then when it falls so short, you've got fans. It's really terrible. But at the end of the day, you want to see him attack whether or not they go in or not because the Nets need him to be there uh, 
scoring, at least in the playoffs, something, right? You don't want to be, he's not going to average 20 points again. That's not what's going to happen. If you can get him from 12 to 15, uh, then you, you've got success there. I mean, Christian, in the postseason, if, if he doesn't give you anything, then I'm going to double Kyrie or Durant. I'm out, you know, exactly. He's not going to give me anything. I'm, I'm just, and he's not looking. He's Not only is he not giving me anything, but he's not looking to give me anything. Then I'll just double them, and I'll, you, you guys can play four on five. I'm good. <laughs> exactly. And, and the issue there is that he's the third highest paid player on the roster. Right? We're talking about, about a guy who's signed the rookie maximum scale extension and makes, I don't know, something like $35 million this year and $40 million next year and the year after that, something in that ballpark. And for a guy to be making that much money and going out there and airballs and turnaround uh, hook shots is not what you want to see, even if he does everything else, right? Even if he's locking up the other team's best uh, scorer, even if he's averaging seven rebounds and playmaking, if this guy is a liability on offense, it really undermines everything the Nets are trying to do. And if you've got to sub your third best player out of the game in the fourth quarter, is he really your third best player? And, and that's yeah. the point that the Nets are at right now. Um, and they just want him to be more aggressive in scoring. If he can do that, I think that the questions go away, uh, the drama goes away. But if he can't find a way to will himself to scoring and being aggressive and getting his shot, I, I think it can get ugly. I don't know if we see him – I don't know if we see a trade. I don't think that's possible given, A, what you would get in return for him. He's at the point right now where you'd have to attach assets or young players to him given mm-hmm. his contract to be able to get a deal done. Um, so it, it, it's tough, but I, I think right now we're going to see the Nets. They, to their credit, everyone publicly is saying, hey, we're going to ride Ben. We're going to, you know, uh, instill confidence in him, you know, tell him to be aggressive and, and, and trust in him. It's just a matter of when he actually comes around to doing what the Nets need him to do for them to be successful. When do you see Kevin Durant coming back? That's a great question. Um I think we're going to see him back at least in the next week and a half. I'm not sure. Last year he sat out the All-Star break. Um, I'm not sure he wants to sit out. From the last time we spoke to him, uh, he said, you know, if I could, I'd play tomorrow, right? And that's about a week ago. So he wants to play clearly. And another thing is he hasn't played in an All-Star game since he came to Brooklyn. I'm sure he wants to do that as well. He talked about, hey, you know, LeBron's coming to uh, Barclays Center and I'm not going to get a chance to play him even though LeBron's not playing. You're seeing a guy out there who wants to play. Uh, and it's just a matter of, hey, the Nets have been down this path before and, and they have a history of um, of having guys who are injured suffer setbacks. Right? I'm thinking Joe Harris, James mm-hmm. Harden, uh, even Kevin last year had a setback in, in his quad or in his cab. One of, those, one of those places on his leg and he missed a couple additional games that he didn't need to. Um, so I think the Nets are going to be extra cautious with him, but at the same time, they've got to win games, right? You're looking at a team that was second in the East, and now they're, I believe, fourth. They're trying to climb back up, and they don't want this stretch without them to fall off the rails. I mean, to their credit, they've played better than a lot of people gave them uh, heading into this stretch because they've had just so many different playoff-caliber opponents. Uh, but with Kevin, I'm thinking if we're, we're thinking that he's not going to sit out until after the All-Star break, which I don't think is the case, um, we could be seeing them maybe in the next seven to ten days. Uh, this is about the end of the timeline where the Nets said he'd be out about a month. Uh, we're approaching that month at the beginning of February, so I, I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing him sometime between February 5th and 10th. Christian, trade deadline possibilities? What, what do you, if, if the team does anything, what do you think they'll do? What are they looking for? That's a great question. There's two uh, glaring areas that the Nets need to fix, and I think both of them were exposed uh, in that loss to the Detroit Pistons. Um, the Detroit Pistons are a team, that, you know, they're, they're the 15th seed in the Eastern Conference. They're not, you know, they're, they're not a playoff team. 
But what they do is they beat you up. They are a physical team, and they're big. Uh, four of their five starters right now are, are six foot five or up. And then when you bring Kate Cunningham back into the mix, it's a full starting lineup of guys that are six foot five and up. Um, and they're all strong. They're all stocky. I was talking to Dwayne Case the other day about physicality and toughness. And he goes, hey, you know, we identify guys like that. That's not something that you can teach. That's something that you have to identify in scouting. Um, the Nets need guys who are, you, you know, Marquise Morris, for example, played a lot of minutes in that Detroit game. Why? Because he's a guy who's not going to take anything from another team, right? That They need guys like that, guys who are big, guys who are strong, guys that can play physical and take physical punishment because that's what it comes down to in the playoffs. You're talking about Giannis. You're talking about a Miami Heat team. You're talking about Joel Embiid. You're talking about even, even if there's a Knicks-Nets rivalry, uh, a Knicks-Nets uh, playoff matchup, you know, Julius Randle, I think the Nets got off easy. I think Randle should have taken like 35 shots because no one on that team can really hold up with how strong and physical he is. So that's where I'm looking at the trade deadline for this team. How can they add strength? How can they add size? That comes on the wings, and that comes as a backup big man behind Nick Claxton, right? So those are the two areas I think they, they address. And that's why you start seeing those things that, okay, well, maybe if, if it's not Kyle Kuzma, maybe it's Bojan Bogdanovic. Maybe it's mm-hmm. one of these guys who can add size to our wings. Uh, so that we can play physical with some of these teams that know we don't have that size. It's, it's not a secret. You know, Jacques Bourne admitted that, hey, you know, we have to find ways to compensate for our lack of size and strength. Well, the best way to do that is to go out there and trade for somebody who can who can make that happen. The issue is what do you give up? What do you have to offer? You know, when you go on Twitter and you look at all these people, all these fans and these, like, mock trades, you see people trading Joe Harris. Do you really want to trade Joe Harris? Mm-hmm. I mean, he's one of the best shooters in the world. I don't know. And then you've got young guys like Cam. You've got some draft picks. Uh, I think it'll be an interesting next few weeks before that trade deadline comes up. But for sure, they have to get stronger uh, and some more size, especially on the wings and in that front court. Last thing, Christian. In watching the Knicks last night, what have you seen from them over the this last night and just in your conversations around the league about them? You, you know, I, I've actually been able to watch a couple of Knicks games um, and go cover them for the New York Daily News. So I've been able to watch Jalen Brunson a little bit. And, you know, credit to him. I didn't think that, you know, I thought, number one, I think we all can agree that the Knicks should have traded for Donovan Mitchell, right? I thought anything less than Donovan Mitchell was a drastic fall off uh, at the time. Uh, now I'm not so sure because Jalen Brunson has really proven he is worth every penny that you give him. He can ball, right? He is a, a true point guard. He gets you a bucket, can carry you down the stretch. Uh, and Julius Randle, I, I love the way he's played. I just want to see more from R.J. Barrett, right? And, and, and you know, to their credit, the, the Knicks are, are, are trying to put it together. Um, I don't know what we see from this year. I don't know if they, they become a, a team that makes a deep playoff run. You know, I thought last night uh, was a game that they should have had just because, I mean, you've got no KD, uh, no Ben Simmons. T.J. Warren didn't even play, and for the Knicks to just come out flat was kind of deflating, especially when you have so many Knicks fans in the arena and you're favored the way they were. Um, but, I mean, you're not going to win every night. Um, I, I like the Knicks. I, I do like what they have. I, I, I just personally have not really sold on R.J. Barrett. I think if you would have found a way to get Donovan Mitchell in New York, it would have been just a better situation. Um, but I guess we'll see. I, I don't know. I, I'm I'm interested to see what they do at the trade deadline because they've got some pieces that kind of don't fit in there. I feel like Evan Fournier has been in the trade machine every year since he got here. Uh, <laughs> when are they going to actually do that? Um, but, no, I mean, I, I would love to see a Knicks-Nets playoff series. That's for sure. I think the, the Knicks are for sure going to make the playoffs. Um, it's just a matter of, okay, well, what happens there? And I think the last time we saw them in the playoffs, Julius Randle didn't play so well. So is he going to be someone that actually shows up this year? Um, either way, I like the direction they're trending. I just think they're a couple pieces short of being, you know, a, a serious playoff contender. 
Kristen, thanks for a couple of minutes, my friend. Continued success. We'll be reading you in the Daily News. Thanks. My man. Appreciate you having me, man. Anytime. All right. Sounds good. That's Christian Winfield. We'll get your thoughts next on 98.7 ESPN. You're listening to The Drive with Larry Hardesty on 98.7 ESPN. Kansas City had like two drives, two two possessions that they should have only gotten one. <laughs> they had Twitter folks talking. They went after eight drive after eight uh, plays. You should punt. <laughs> so I tell you, officiating. I know Ty Butler was just out of his mind about the Lakers situation. The officiating in all the sports is, as you know, it's 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 taken a hit. It's taken a hit. There were some calls in the earlier game. In this game, you're looking like, what are you guys doing? Like, what, this is a, listen, this is a, this decides who goes to the championship. We, we, we need the best crew you got. We can't be messing around here. You know, Joe Burrow runs for a first down. I got to tell you, we'll get to the calls in a second. If you're a defensive player and you see a quarterback running your way, it's like, what do you do? Do you, do you, that's a good move though. Do you try to tackle him hard? Do you not? Is it still roughing the quarterback? Is it? Is it? I know he's a runner, but is it still the same? I mean, I just—it's just crazy. It's just crazy, you know. But that's the way the NFL is right now. Interesting conversation with Christian Winfield, right? And I think, listen, for me, what Nicholas Claxton has become has been just outstanding. And you could see it early, even in the minutes that he was able to get previously. You could see that there was talent there. You could see that they were going. he was going to be a guy that was really going to be able to help this team mature. And he, he's great defensively. He does a nice job scoring. He doesn't back down from anybody. I mean, he went toe-to-toe with Embiid, you know, I, I'm really, I'm really impressed with that kid. That kid, and listen, if he puts on any more weight or muscle, or he's going to be, he's going to be a beast. He's really going to be tough to deal with. So, it's, um, it, it's the, the Nets are in good shape. Okay, they're in good shape. Do they need another player? Yeah, physicality in the in the NFL in the NFL in the NBA playoffs. Yeah, uh, you might, you might need somebody that can bang a little bit more. Uh, up front than what you have right now. But the tricky thing here is what what Ben Simmons will they get? Forget about now. It's in the postseason. What Ben Simmons are they going to get? Are they going to get a reasonably aggressive? I don't mean aggressive-aggressive. A reasonably aggressive guy who will be able to get give you some points where you can be able to make a play. Will they be able, will he be able to do that for them? It, will that be a possibility? Because that's what they're going to need. That's what they're going to need. Great play by Kansas City. The ball was tipped by a defender away from Higgins and caught by his teammate in the secondary. So Kansas City because uh, Cincinnati looks like they were ready to score. Higgins was had you know Higgins was headed to the to the end zone, and uh, it's a great play. Tipped the ball away, boy. If you're a quarterback, that that's 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 a tough interception for you. If he had made that play, he's he's taking it. He's they're not stopping him. He's going right to the end zone. 
Um, so that that's going to be the question for the Nets. And as Christian mentioned, who do you give up for this person? Okay, the team really, I, I like what they have. You like what Seth Curry brings to the table. Okay, you, you, you know Joe Harris is starting to get into a more consistent flow. He struggled early, but he's okay. I mean, and, and you've got Durant and, and Kyrie. You've got a nice bench. Uh, the question really is, okay, well, you know, what can you get from Ben Simmons? He is a guy that you really need to show up in the postseason. Something. He's got to give you something every game. Because as I mentioned to him, you heard me tell him, otherwise I'll play four and five. I'll double, I'll double somebody and, you know, I'll dare them to beat me. <laughs> you know, I'll dare them. Because listen, I need all the help I can get to try to defend Kevin Durant anyway, as great as he is. Because he, he can be, be unstoppable. Size, ability, rebounder, defender, which is underrated, which he does a tremendous job doing. Three-point sniper. Oh, give me a break. That guy is, he's great. And if Kyrie continues to play like Kyrie, trying to earn that contract, you're in good shape. You're in really good shape. You, But I do understand where you need some people to be a bit more physical under the boards in the postseason. There's no question about that. And um, he made some great points about R.J. Barrett, too. I mean, uh, there was a uh, somebody tweeted me the other night to say, man, if R.J. Barrett was more efficient, Knicks would have won the game a couple of nights ago. So, well, they would have won in regulation. Number nine have gone to overtime. That's against Boston. So, R.J. Barrett has got to take that next step. You know, he's improved every year, but, this, you know, he's, he's he, he sometimes he's just a little one-on-one minded. He, he needs to be a little bit more team minded. You know, he does. We'll take your calls next. You're listening to The Drive on 98.7 ESPN. You're listening to The Drive with Larry Hardesty on 98.7 ESPN. Brian is next. He's up on the drive on 987 ESPN. What's up, Brian? How are you doing? I was talking to your producer. She went to college in the town I grew up in, Westbury. Oh, she went okay. to SUNY or Westbury. Mm-hmm. Anyway, uh, I want to talk about the, the Knicks a little bit. Okay. I think if I was the coach of the Knicks, you have Randall and Robinson. Why don't they, why don't they use them uh, to post down low because Randall is a good player. He doesn't have to be shooting so much from the outside. You know what I'm saying? If I'm the coach of the Knicks, you have Robinson and Randall. You post one of them down because I'm used to like the Knicks in the seventies when we had Willis Reed and stuff. You know, why don't, why don't, why isn't it no more like low post games? You know, there's no centers in the NBA and they have two players like Randall, who's an all-star. And why doesn't the coach use him and say, listen, you know, post down low, get the ball in, get uh, get one of the guards to feed the ball in to him. You understand? I do, Brian. Uh, and you're right. It's a different game. Thanks for the phone call. Um, right now, what you want to do is it's about spacing. And so while you having two guys down low or even one guy down low, uh, sometimes it clogs up the spacing that you want in your offense. So that's one of the reasons why, you know, you don't do that. Um, Julius Randle, is kind of effective in the painted area. I will give you that. But he also can hit the mid-range. He's been very good at three during the stretch. So that's been helpful too. And that helps keep movement and keeps the lane open. So you have penetrators like Jalen Brunson who can get to the basket, like R.J. Barrett can get to the basket, like Emmanuel Quickly can get to the basket. So the game now in the NBA is to keep the lane open 
so that you have, you know, some flowing movement of people cutting in and out of the lane. Uh, Mitchell Robinson really has not been asked to do anything offensively in the in the painted area. He is a guy who they just want him to uh, be a shot blocker. They want him to be a guy who, um, you know, defends the rim, and he does a tremendous job with that. His, his I mean, he, you, when he's not there, there is a big difference. Um, you can see the difference when he's not there. It just is. Um, offensive rebound, he's excellent. Shot blocking, he's excellent. Uh, you know, he's he's a he's a very 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 talented player. Unfortunately for the Knicks, he is just um, he's not available enough. <laughs> he just seems like every time he turns around, when he starts to get rolling or the team starts to get rolling, there's games that he ends up missing during the regular season. So. There's a frustration period there. If they could ever keep him on the field, on the court for a long enough period of time, he would be okay. Jose's in Brooklyn. Jose, you're next on 98.7. Good evening, Larry. How's it going? Everything's good, Jose. What's up? I'm doing good, and I was just listening to, you know, the the radio here while watching the game and everything, and I was just, um, I had a couple of points, and and specifically when it comes to R.J. Barrett, like, you know, when it comes to, like, the makeup of the team, I feel like we analyzed him way too harshly compared to his draft predecessors when we didn't give him the same exact situation. We weren't making him the star. We were making him as part of the team and being a team player. And we kind of underrate his value defensively because he was stopping Donovan Mitchell when Donovan Mitchell was trying to, you know, come back against the Knicks. And Jalen Brown had a horrific game, you know, compared to his standards. And we really don't, we really don't uh, appreciate that from R.J. Barrett. So I'm just wondering why is that? Well, we talk about RJ's Barrett, R.J. Barrett's defense, Jose, and thanks for the phone call. Uh, we do talk about it, and he is very good defensively. But he is here also when you pay him. First of all, he was the third pick in the draft. So there is a level of expectation for your third pick overall in the NBA uh, for the Knicks that you expect him to be a big-time contributor quickly, okay? And he has improved year after year, so he gets credit for that. But now, Jose, the expectations change. You've just He's just signed a multi-million dollar extension. You made him, uh, you, you made it clear that you want to sign him and he deserved to be signed, okay? And now you're waiting for him to take that next step where he can, um, you know, show you something and show you some growth offensively. It's just a matter of him being consistent, Jose. That's what it is. He's not consistent offensively. And this is a Nick team that when you think about it has a slim has has a slim margin for error because they aren't as talented as a lot of teams in the in the in the east. Okay? So when you when you're when your guy like RJ Barrett, you need him to try to be more consistent offensively. And he just has not been. And, you know, he has trouble finishing. I mean, he's getting better. But you need him for, for what for what he is expected to bring you. And for his the way he then high how high he was picked in the draft. It's gotta be better. 
It's got to be better consistently. And sometimes it's just a matter of him understanding when it's okay to take over and when you need to keep passing the ball and keep it moving and let it come back to you when you keep moving and get the ball in a better position. Okay? And and all too often, there's been plenty of times this season where we've seen him just go one-on-one. Okay? Just go one-on-one in the situation where, you know, there's people open. And he just put his head down and went right to the basket. Sometimes it's on the break. You know, and and you know, you need him to take that next step. You need him to have make better decisions. Okay. Listen, uh, you look at that Boston game. I mean, there were some shots that he just wasn't hitting, and you're just you're shaking your head, and you're like, I mean, come on, you know, pass it, you'll get it back. But right now, you're cold. Other people are open. Other people are more in the flow. And so that's the decision-making process that you're looking for him to improve on, that he needs to get better with. I mean, everybody knows about his defense. He, he's, he's a very good player. But there's more expectations. The more money you make, <laughs> there's more expectations. And then added to the fact that you did not get Donovan Mitchell, now there's more expectations from him offensively where you really wanted him to be a guy where you, you know, that he would be able to to take that next step and be a big-time playmaker for you. Albeit the third guy. Albeit the third guy. 1-800-919-3776. This is a big first down play by Cincinnati. Somehow Kansas City lost the tight end. <laughs> you know, um, so with – with 56 seconds left, what Kansas, what the Cincinnati is trying to do is get into field goal range to try to, you know, send KC home again, um, again this year, uh, and go back to the Super Bowl. So we'll see. We'll keep an eye on it for you um, over these next couple of seconds and see what happens. Or are we going to have one of those overtimes again, right, like we had with Kansas City and Buffalo? But this has been a good one. This has been a – a back-and-forth game. Each team has turned the ball over once. Uh, well, actually, Kansas City's turned it, uh, Cincinnati's turned it over twice. But, um, you know, one Kansas City turned it over once, and they had a slip uh, where the ball slipped out of Patrick Mahomes' hands, and Kansas and the Cincinnati went down to score. Uh, Burrow has, has a couple of picks. One of them was not his fault. It was a tip. The defender made a great play, tipped it away, and, his, uh, and another defender recovered it out of the air and moved it. But Kansas City could not score with it. So that's where we are. We're 2020 with uh, 48 seconds left in regulation. And we'll see, you know, just what these guys, just what Cincinnati's going to do. But clearly, their goal is we got to get in the field goal range, uh, you know, for Evan McPherson to try to uh, kick us into the Super Bowl. So we'll keep an eye on that for you. And of course, Jay Bromley will join us next hour. We'll get his thoughts on how this uh, championship Sunday has gone. And, um, you know, what what we can expect for the Super Bowl with uh, the two teams that are available. We already know one of the teams there, and that is the Philadelphia Eagles. And then we'll figure out who's going to join them repping the AFC. But real quick, uh, in, in going back to what we're talking about with the Knicks, aside from what you need from R.J. Barrett, uh, hopefully Obi Toppin can give you a little bit more off that bench. 
You saw in the game against Boston, and, and a little bit against Cleveland, but more against Boston, he was able to give you some minutes. He was able to give you some offense. He was able to get some rebounds, and that's the biggest knock I have against him. I mean, I love his energy. I love him in transition. I love what he brings to the table. He's getting a little better defensively as Joe Burrow sacked. He's getting a little better defensively. Um, you know, he gets beat off the dribble a lot. Uh, I'd like to see him do, be a little better rebounder. But all in all, he he is developing a little consistency with the three ball. And if he can do that, I think it's it's really going to help this team. But ultimately, it's about whether the guys on the bench can contribute enough. And Emmanuel quickly has been phenomenal. Um, if the guys on the bench can play and be effective for enough minutes that you can try to pull back some of the minutes that your starters are playing, then that would be very, very helpful for this Nick team. If you can get back to where your starters are going 34, 35 minutes a game, Cincinnati's going to have to punt after the sack, um, then I think that that helps you. That helps you. Okay? Um, because the, the starters are playing too long. They're playing too many minutes. They're asked to play both sides, defense and offense. And you play 41, 42 minutes. It's a lot. It's a lot. Okay? So uh, if they can find a way where, that, where the bench can increase some minutes – that would be very, very helpful. Very helpful to this Nick team, especially for the starting rotation. Because, I mean, you look every, constantly, you look at Jalen Brunson, 38, 39 minutes. Randall, 40, 41 minutes. RJ, 41 minutes. And RJ, of course, is one of the players that stays, one of the starters that stays on when the bench comes in to try to give them some stability and leadership as well. 1-800-919-3776. When we return, there will be another edition of The Drive on 98.7 ESPN. You're listening to The Drive with Larry Hardesty on 98.7 ESPN.